0: Greetings listeners and welcome to the Damon Discussions. I am your host, Matt Damon, and thank you so much for joining me. This is a show where I get to share conversations and discussions I have with some of the fascinating people I've met in my life. A place to share experiences, discuss life, and really just open ourselves up to other points of view and find out what it is that takes to make this world go round. I hope that each and every one of you are keeping safe and doing well and that wherever you are in the world... However, your country is managing the exit of their lockdown restrictions, you're keeping safe, you're keeping your family afloat, and you're looking out for one another. Now, this week's guest is a dear, dear friend of mine, Greg Smith. We became friends towards the end of our high school careers in South Africa, and it was in the year 2000 that he and his family left our sunny shores for the dreary land of England. Nevertheless, we were able to keep in contact through exorbitantly high mobile phone bills, through our SMS texting backwards and forwards. You must remember, this was a day before WhatsApp. It was a day before BBM Messenger even. And that was pretty much the only way we had to keep in contact, other than email, but we couldn't be bothered to write emails back then. So, the years passed, we kept in touch, Greg visited South Africa now and then, and I made my first trip abroad to England, and it was on that trip that I decided that once I would finish studying at university, I would come and live in the UK. When that happened, Greg, a friend of ours, Dave, and myself, we got ourselves a little house in Banbury in the Midlands, and we began our life as housemates as the years went by, even though our paths separated and I moved off to London to start teaching, Greg and I remained firm friends. We'd already been long distance friends. Now we were at least living in the same country. And through the years, we've been there for one another's big events, marriages, children, and now podcasts. I thought it would be great to catch up with him on the show, talk about his career and his extensive sales experience, and see how it is that he's managing his new role as an associate retail park facilities manager in a time where people can't go to the shops. So stick around. After this short break, I speak to Greg Smith and find out what he's been up to. Greetings listeners, welcome back to the Damon Discussions. I've got this week's guest with me and we've each got our own special guest, a nice warm cup of coffee. Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for joining us today, Greg. Not an issue, but not an issue at all. Excellent. Be... How is lockdown life treating you?
1: <laughs> lockdown life's pretty uh, weird and strange, I'd say. Um, I think we're all going through some uh, weird times, right? We are, um, we are uh i suppose for myself i'm still working so i i've yeah. got the luxury of being able to work from home um but i've also got uh sophie at home with us so she's uh, she's continuing her her learning through uh hearing daddy do a lot of zoom calls and uh conference calls and that at the moment and anna's still working
0: yeah well anna's working in the, the health industry she's a pharmacist um mm-hmm. Sophie's doing her best to learn the world of sales. So she's gonna be the, the world's youngest sales and facilities management expert.
1: Ah, uh, I don't know about sales, man. It's all about management. It's it's less sales and more
0: managing, right? Well that that's that's what that's what we're here to talk about. We're talking about your journey from dishwasher to <laughs> <laughs> to a uh, mobile phone, cell phone shop floor sales assistant to Entire Retail yeah. Park Facilities Manager. Yeah. There's a, I
1: don't know. Lots of change there, I suppose. <laughs> there are lots of change. Well, let's start
0: <laughs> where, you're, where you're currently at. Um, facilities Management, what is that? Do you look look after the facilities, like the toilets?
1: No. Well, I, I suppose I would if I had any sort of internal areas. So uh, my specific part of it is uh, retail parks. So we look after okay. outdoor shopping areas, um, which are basically a bunch of warehouse units put together with a car park in front of it and then we manage all the external areas so anywhere that the public go i look after um and the minute you go into a shop that that becomes a store's responsibility to sort of care for um the safety but i suppose i manage everything from
0: where you're going to trip where you're going to fall and how pretty the uh plants look yeah because i've been to, to i've been to some retail parks that are much prettier than others obviously yours are the most pretty
1: well, some. It depends on the budget that you got to play with as well. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, we manage a budget for each of the properties um, that is service chargeable. And I mean, I think it works out. I've got roughly a three and a half million pound service charge budget that I manage across my parks. Um,
0: and in that, that comes with all the contract management that goes with it. So, you say across your parks, how many parks do you look after? 17 at the moment. 17. Wow. Yeah. So, that's 17 retail parks that you've got to keep layout in your brain
1: yeah but it's, it's no different from i suppose i look at them like i would look at when i had a store um i get to a park and i start looking at it from the point you drive in whereas when i had a shop i looked at it from point you walk into the store so from the windows all the way through to the back what the standards are what needs to be done and where, th- where things can be done i suppose now i just have more control over what can be done and when because i hold the budget and
0: what we're spending that money on Does it feel better to have that control and not kind of have to work towards someone else's time frame to be able to get something big like that done? Uh, We still have to work within the client's uh, time frames, obviously. Um,
1: So, you know, we've got we've got a lot more freedom. Um, And, you know, the current lockdown has changed a lot of the planning that we've had. So we've spent a long month planning how we're going to reduce services where we don't need them. Um, But at the same point, it's not been any less
0: busy. It's just a different kind of busy you sent me a picture the other day of your home working environment where you looked nice and comfy spread out in your living room but then there were maps and charts and, mm. and it was it was insane you said that you were planning for the reopening of the economy under social distancing restrictions so what sort of planning is that does that involve so it's sort of looking at how um
1: We're we're taking experience from obviously working with a company that's global. Uh, We've got a lot of experience and a lot of information coming through from uh, the European side, the Asian side. So we're getting a lot of information. We're making a lot of plans and actually advising a lot of the clients how they should best operate their their properties when they reopen. I suppose this week's been planning how we're going to get people queuing because that's the next big problem is when a store opens, depending on which it is, it's going to have huge queues outside. So... You know, we've got some clothing stores that want to reopen and they are probably going to be as busy as the takeaway units have been this week when they reopened. So one of the parks this week at KFC reopen, and I think the queue was sort of 90% of the car park. Wow.
0: That's mm. a lot of people. Essential to shopping they're... there, mate. Essential shopping <laughs> people are going. Fried, to. fried chicken, it's essential. <laughs> um yeah i've recently had an experience going to b&q's hardware store where i had to do some outdoors queuing luckily being in england it was one of those rare sunny days so i didn't mind um do you expect a lot of disgruntled people if they have to queue outside in the rain no i think i think we've got a lot less um of an issue with people going to be
1: disgruntled with queuing because they're already used to doing it in their essential weekly shop that they do at Tesco's or Sainsbury's or something like that so I think um and you know you said B&Q and q have done a really good job of um their reopening so when they did it they did a phased return with uh click and collect so you couldn't go to the park without ordering something online getting your text and then when you got there you sat in your car till they bought it to you on a trolley and you stuck it in your boot and off you went um the following week they tested the reopening of the stores which I'm guessing you did where you just could go into the store but you had to stand yeah so that that's, that sort of it. works but you're looking um I think the one I or the, the B&Q I look after there was an hour and a half queue getting in to the store and probably another 45 minutes to get to the till so wow. you gotta you know and that that's that's the problem you've got with these stores reopening is how do you manage that queue when you don't have that much space and how many people are you going to allow in your store so as good as the planning is that we can do we're only thinking externally we've got to talk to every single one of the occupiers of these units and say listen what are you doing where are you going to put these people how are you going to manage your queue because we're not there to manage the queue we
0: don't have the boots on the ground to do it wow so it's it's really like a giant game of tetris trying to manage who's going in, how many people are going in, yep. that all your pieces in the parking lot in the outside queue are working smoothly and then you don't get a bottleneck once everyone's inside. The bottleneck's gonna happen regardless. Uh wow.
1: and it's proven um I don't know if you've seen the news this week with sort of some of the some of the coffee shops that are reopening as drive throughs causing mile long tailbacks on the main routes of the roads, uh happen in sort of Manchester area and that. Wow. And you know, police are having to be called out to then shut these down and we're going to see a lot of that when McDonald's reopen next week, I think um, so yeah. And we're playing with what the government's gonna say so we have no idea what the next set of restrictions are gonna bring so we made so you- plans on the current restrictions and Potentially we've got other plans in the background for some other restrictions. So not knowing what's coming We're we're sort of you know, everything's a bit of a, a guest place at the moment
0: well, that's it. You just got to make the plans as best as you can, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so now we've spoken about what your job involves under these COVID 19 mm. days. On a normal day where you were managing your retail parks, what would your day to day schedule look like? Uh, so,
1: luckily, I'm, I'm, I feel quite fortunate with my role. Um, although I spend an awful lot of time on the road in my car driving through my site. So I think my, my furthest site is 103 miles away from where I'm based. So, you know, it's a 200 and, a 206 mile journey to get there and back every day. Um, but again, I only go to these sites once to twice a month, occasionally three or four times, depending on what the needs are. Um, and I'll plan my diary out. So I'll do a section of that um, over two or three days in a week, and then I'll have two, two days of admin at home. So I am home-based working. So the adjustment to working from home hasn't been as challenging, I suppose, on that side. But um, the the not having the freedom to go out mm. and to be on the road is the is the difference. So you because know, that's ab- your
0: that's your other passion is cars and being out <laughs> on the road. <laughs> yeah, no, I love I love driving, and it
1: uh, um, I do sort of you know fifteen hundred or two thousand miles a month work wise. Wow. And last month I did five hundred in the car. So, wow. you know, the, the 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 distance reduction is huge. So it, it also shows that potentially, you know, I can do a lot less travel if there's a lot less travel on the road. So, I you know,
0: think that's that's um, one of the things that a lot of businesses and firms are going to look at how mm-hmm. they can keep operating with what they've learned under these COVID-19 restrictions and how they can apply that into the new new normal. Yeah, the new new normal when that um, when that starts showing its face. Um, are you happy with what you're doing you sound like you're very very settled you're speaking quite authoritatively it seems like it's (laughs) uh it's a good fit for you
1: um i you know what i uh i needed something to get out of retail i would say um there's there's sort of a uh I'm in retail, but I'm not in retail anymore. Mm. So I've I've got the joy of having a Monday to Friday role now, as opposed to being seven days availability and having to flex my rotor and all that kind of stuff. So it means I spend an awful lot more time with Sophie, which is, um which is a really good blessing. Uh, and it's given Anna the ability that she can pick up those additional days for her when she's working. So she can do an occasional Saturday when she wants. And I wouldn't change it now. Uh,
0: I think the, the role is brilliant and uh, I really enjoy it. So you kind of, your, your feet are still in the retail waters, but you're standing mm. above.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I get to I get I spend a lot of time doing tenant engagements. So speaking to the, the store managers and that in the stores, uh, understanding where their where their challenges are and actually asking them what they they prefer and where they see the issues are at the parks, because they're on the ground 24 seven. So they, they see the issues and they can actually feed them back a lot faster than me, you
0: know, guessing what the problems are. And do you find that your long career from the past in retail gives you the sort of insight and understanding of the different worries and concerns and actions that those managers might want to have? Yes, yeah, definitely. So
1: we, I suppose I've got 14 years worth of retail management and experience, which in this role has definitely helped. So it's helped build the relationships with the tenants, help the clients understand what those stores are going through, where their challenges are, and also sort of I suppose share my knowledge with those with those store managers as well to sort of help guide them when they've when they're having when they're having a tough time um but it's i suppose i've learned a lot of people management skill in that time Mm. so that kind of helps with the role i'm doing now um and with the people on the ground so the contractors that i manage you know there's umpteen different contractors on all my different sites doing very similar things but doing them in different ways what sort of contractors do you get involved with um (laughs) (laughs) So depending on the property, whether it's internal stuff or external, um, we've got M&E, so your uh, mechanical and electrical contractors. Mm -hmm. So they'll look after all the internal things like fire alarm panels, uh, looking after the fire drills that we do and uh, lighting for internal and external, checking all those testings are done. And then we've got your 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 litter picking and cleaning contractors. So they'll look after the, the site as an external. So they'll be there early hours of the morning, picking up all the mess that people leave when they decide they want to park, open their door and drop their McDonald's packet on the floor and then drive off, ah. which is like just the bugbear of everybody, I think. Yeah. Uh, landscaping, uh, external car park lighting. So it's all the stuff you see, but you don't know what ha- how it happens when you go to a place like that. So it's just sort of managing all of those those things and then the biggest thing now that's changing is sustainability so bringing in uh things that will help with the um with less damage to the environment so okay. making sure you've got drought resistant native planting going on on your parks all your lighting changing to led lighting to lower your uh, electrical costs all your electric provision coming from renewable sources those oh wow things that we're focusing on yeah so I'd say most of my parks now, because we use our own internal energy company or section of the business, I'd say probably 90, 95% of my sites
0: are all renewable energy resource now. Wow, that's a fantastic achievement. Mm. That really is. So what happens when your contractors or the people in your site don't comply? Do you, do you have a big pit that you throw them down? <laughs> <laughs> uh-
1: do you know it's much like um it's much like actual employment these days. So you've got a contract with a contractor, um, mm-hmm. and generally, you know the the issues are not the contractor, they're the people on the ground, the boots on the ground, and whether mm-hmm. they've been, you know they've got contact with that contractor, those kind of things. So you know, I know most of the guys who do the litter picking because I'm there quite early in the morning, so I get to see them, have a chat with them, see what their feedback is, where they've got the problems because I won't always get that message from them if I'm too talking to the okay. contract manager. Um, but you know, we've had problems on sites and we will remove a contractor when it, when, you know, it continually doesn't work, which is the same as you would with any sort of employee. Um, and you know, we've, we've had to remove some contractors over time and put other ones in, but then you build that trust with some people. So, mm. you know, it, it, it changes. And sometimes you put someone in that doesn't work better than the previous. Yeah. So, you know, you're always sort of fighting a battle there.
0: That's, I guess, where those people management skills and learning how to, get the best out of people comes in yeah yeah definitely so it's been a long journey for you you said you've had over 14 years of experience mm. um can let's just talk through that a little bit starting with your move to the united kingdom from oh, yeah. south africa in the year 2000 was it what was your first 2001
1: job yeah 2001 so i left just before we finished matric um and i moved over here my first job was orange uh, which was obviously like um, Vodacom or MTN, you, you know, normal network service provider. Yeah. Uh, working a, an alternate Sunday for six hours every every two weeks. So okay. it was a very small contract, but I mean it 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 paid well, and that was that was the thing. So you know I'd I'd take home six or seven hundred pounds a month for doing twelve hours of work a month, which didn't hmm. really make sense. But you know when you were selling phones that made you ten pounds a phone, it was pretty you know silly. Yeah. Um, silly money and they were printing it. So uh but in the meantime I also did things like, as you said before, dishwashing, mm-hmm. which was at a little little um village restaurant <laughs> in um in Dedington, which was around the corner from the village
0: that my parents uh lived in. And, I think we've all had those dishwashing jobs uh, when we first came to the UK. I, I had one of the little Chinese takeaways. You did, <laughs> yeah, down the yeah. road,
1: yeah. I think we spent more money on alcohol in the restaurant than we did on the, um, on, oh, the did uh, on on the yeah. I think every Friday we finished washing up and all the money that we got paid got sent back behind the bar so we could drink.
0: <laughs> oh man, that was not where you learned your money management
1: skills then. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> money management only started a few years ago. You know, when you get a kid, that's when you yeah, manage yes. your
0: money better. Yeah, yeah. you <laughs> think you know how to manage your money, but until you have that other responsibility, oh, you really don't. Definitely. So you worked for Orange for a while, kind like of a bit of a temporary. Yeah, so, I was,
1: I, I went, so when I moved to England, um, we I got the job at Orange, did the the like sort of restaurant work stuff as well on the side. But obviously, I was at college as well. So during that time, worked through that. Uh, I then went further hours, so got a larger contract with Orange. Um, did sort of 22 and a half to 30 hours a week of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then continued doing that for a few years. Stepped out and did some car sales for about a month and a half and realized it's just not the thing. I love I love cars. I just don't really want to sell cars to people.
0: Okay. You're Especially... too much of an honest bloke for that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Do I want to buy this? No, you really want to buy the golf, buddy. Don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I went back to Orange, and um, I stayed there for a long, long time, and then decided I quite enjoyed the people management side of things. So I uh, wanted to you know, step into that role and found it quite difficult to do that step up while staying sort of in the area that we lived um, with Orange. So I was approached by 3, which was like the up-and-coming mobile network at the time, and uh, got a role there as an assistant manager. Uh, Kept that role for 12 months, and then was uh, promoted into store management. And then from there, so that was 2009, up until 2014, I stayed with uh, 3 as a store manager. Oh, wow. And then decided I wanted to get out of retail for the, the first attempt, and went to sell... Uh, paper shredding to people, which was. Uh, do you know, uh, when you look at these things, <laughs>
0: there, there's some bad decisions you make in life. That but, was but definitely one of them. That's all we can do. We were we're 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 faced with a decision Ooh. at the time, and we do and we make what we think is the right choice for us. That's oh, okay. not always how it works out. But um. But you know, how the you of it, yeah,
1: the experience of it was it was it was a very overcomplicated way of selling, taking big bits of paper and making them smaller that's all it was. And it just felt like it was a real difficult thing to, for them to tell you how to, to teach you how to sell it. And you, um, I don't know, I'm I'm all face to face. I prefer yeah. a face to face chat as opposed to sitting on a Monday and calling a hundred people telling them I want to come sell them some paper shredding. So that, that lasted probably about three and a half, four months. Uh, and uh, they then downsized the teams as well. So I think, I think 60% of the people they took on at the same time, we were all made redundant. Um, mm. And I fell into that bracket. So that was the first time I was ever unemployed, which was wow. interesting. Um, so, you know, I I decided to, I, I tried a couple of other things. So sort of applied for a couple of jobs, didn't enjoy anything that was coming through. Uh, and then I joined Coffin Warehouse and was there for just over 12 months and then joined EE just before Sophie was born.
0: Okay, so when you joined Carphone Warehouse and the EE, what role were you? Uh, uh, store manager. You? Store, store manager. Okay. So
1: um, the EE role was more senior store manager. So I had um, the store management side, but also the people management skills side. So I ensured that all the stores were keeping their staff trained and all the compliance training that was coming through from head office was being done by all the stores in the region. So that's, again, more people management side of things. So I think like the sales stuff is where I started, but the people management mm-hmm. things were – incredible and you know during the time at three uh, i had a really good area manager that allowed us to do something i thoroughly enjoyed which was take out take up time for training and oh wow. I had, i'd head down to head office probably once every month every two months and take up one of the training courses they provided so that counts as a work day getting some training and it helps you understand yourself the words you use the way you you know speak to people um and how you can influence people just through those kind of situations and that's sort of i suppose given me the
0: biggest amount of training in my life I think that's great for any workplace, wherever you work. Hopefully your employer gives you regular opportunities for mm. professional development. That's, that's the only way you grow within the role.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I mean especially at the moment. So although, you know, we've, we've got the challenges that we do, uh, there has been a little bit more downtime, but there's a lot of training that the company's put online. So we use Workplace, which is the Facebook for work. Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's huge amounts of data being put on there loads of online classes we can do there's you know there's mental health classes that we can do to help you if you're having a bad day and you know what if you're putting that stuff out there for your staff you're
0: not doing anything wrong absolutely that's a great way to keep your staff engaged with the business keep them growing even though they're technically not on site yeah definitely so now you've been like you said you have Feet to have been in the retail waters for over 14 years mm. a lot of people think of retail as like the sort of job that you like when you first started a little yeah. sunday job when you're just finishing college but obviously there's a career in it and a successful one if you want to how how would you advise people about taking their little weekend job mm. turning it into this this long career path
1: well i suppose it's um it's about taking opportunities so you can stay doing the same thing through your life without making any changes but if you take the opportunities and when they come there's no there's no limits what you can achieve so you know I've I've never uh, professed to have been a very good uh, kid of education mm-hmm. uh you know school was a place for a social event not really much education <laughs> but obviously you know we learn as we go along That's um I, I you know it's difficult like Anna's been in retail the same way that I have for as long throughout her career as well and She's probably got a completely different experience to retail as I do because of the roles that we do. So although um, mine's been very sales focused, those kind of things. So it can be difficult. Um, but getting in there, I suppose, getting the job, turning up um, and being available are the key steps when you start within retail. But then the next step is working hard. The, the minute you start working hard and you start, you know, you, you get a sort of passion for what you're doing. There's not going to be something that limits what you can achieve.
0: And what' sort of kept your passion going for all this time? Is it the the money? Is it the people? Is it what it what's kept that passion alive?
1: I suppose like um, it's the team ethos, I suppose. within within all of the businesses I've worked, I've always worked within a team, and uh, having that team around you most days was the thing that kept me going most. Um, you know, the money was not was not um, a tough thing. I suppose the social part of it was difficult because, most of the friends work Monday to Friday. We work weekends, uh, mm-hmm. so you see people in the evenings. But you know, we're, we're, we'll disappear off earlier in the night because we uh, I've got to get up in the morning and you know open a store and manage it. So that that was probably the challenge there. But um, yeah, money was good. Uh, I suppose it was getting more difficult as it got further along because the you know retail's had a tough couple of years mm-hmm. um, with the changing environment. What it'll bring next, we don't know yet. We'll see. Uh but yeah no, I thoroughly enjoyed it and you know, I wouldn't change what I've done because it's you know bought the experience that I've got.
0: Yeah, and it's really led you to have this overview, like you said, of even though you're you're not managing what the people are doing inside their stores, Mm. you have an understanding of what they want from their from their work environment and you can work hand in hand with your facilities management and the store managers. Yeah. Um and what sort of advice would you give somebody to be able to get into retail and sales uh retail and sales so sales you've got to accept a no
1: yeah <laughs> that's, that's probably the first thing you gotta be someone you gotta you gotta be able to
0: accept rejection man because that, that comes every day that's what i learned when i worked in sales for every yes you're going to get at least 10 no's
1: hmm. it's um it's interesting isn't it you know you get told no all the time but when you get the yes you're like yeah smash that one <laughs> um you know that's if you're getting into retail and sales, retail is really simple. Pitch up, be there on time, do the job that you're asked to do. Do a little bit more and you'll get more. Um, when it comes to sales, you've you, you know you've got to be able to take on the chin in the bad times. Um, and I suppose the basic salaries in sales aren't always the best, but the commission that they pay on top generally buffs that up quite hard. But you have to work hard for it.
0: Okay. And did you do any sort of formal education after school? or has all your experience and professional development been on the job? Uh, most of the professional development's been on the
1: job. Uh, when I moved over, I took uh, I was in college, so I suppose we, we finished school over in SA and we do matric and then you go to uni or you go to college. Here, yeah. you finish school when you're younger, but then you go to college and you do A-levels, then you get to go to university. Yeah. So I came here and I did uh, college and I did a um, double award equivalent of two A-levels in business and then an A-level in law okay. uh, and promptly decided I had, <laughs> had no inkling carrying on education because I was like, I want to go make some money and do some stuff.
0: So there is a path. There's, yeah. You don't have to follow that model of finish school, go to university, get a job. You can make that path your own. You can really just be successful. Like you say, if you show up, <laughs> do the work, yeah. plus a little bit more. You've got to have a good work ethic or
1: know what you're talking about and you know you know not taking it away there's some jobs i could never get because i have not got the education background for it mm, but yeah. for what i'm doing you know my experience speaks volumes for what i know
0: that's it and um now that you're in a more of a managerial position mm. what other sort of lessons that you can take away from those last few years being in retail management rather than in the sales part uh so it's how you treat the people around you um if you're i suppose i
1: i I got told off last year by Anna when I was doing a promotion interview for the role I'm with now. Um, I say we and us, and I don't say me or I. And oh. that's kind of something that I suppose when you're a salesperson, you're me, 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 I, I, I. And when you're leading a team of people, it's us, we did this, not me. And I've, I don't like saying me. I don't. It's weird, I suppose. Mm. But I suppose it's always working together because you're only as good as the group you got with you and you got to have a mix of people you can't have a ton of salespeople who are you know 130 percent people all the time because that just doesn't give you a good mix of uh staffing in the stores and also
0: i think that's not sustainable like no, um, no. no you can't so, have, you
1: can't have like eight sharks in a tank no. all attacking the one person who walks in you've got to have a you know the laid-back person because the people coming in aren't all the same some people yeah. want a direct sale some people want a consult of sale some people just want to sit down and Make their own decisions. So you've got to have the people that have the technical knowledge, the simple chat start um, skills, and then the people who can just go, "You need this because that's what you told me."
0: Oh wow! So and you've got to have a good mix of people. And now it's your job to try and find that mix of people within a slightly different field, making sure you've got the right mix of contractors, the right mix mm. of uh, people looking after each of the facilities.
1: Yeah, and it's it's when you inherit a property from sort of another uh, an, another person or. When I've taken on sites, I've had them and I've gone, but why are we doing it this way when I've got a site that does it that way and that's done better there? But this actually, you try and put something on one site into another site, it doesn't work. So I'm still learning every day, even in the new role, as to what works best here or there.
0: So, you know, one one shoe doesn't fit all. No, I think it goes, and then it goes back to what we said earlier. You take the experience and the knowledge you have and you make the best decision Mm -hmm. that you can at the time. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes you have to go back to the drawing board. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Now, speaking of drawing boards, do you think that retail is going to die?
1: No, I think it's going to be very changeable. So, you know, for the last couple of years, all we've heard is doom and gloom. Yeah. Quite simply, um, you know, the online, online sales is huge. And mm-hmm. I mean, even in this in, in the current state, I looked at my um, bill for my credit card this month and uh, there's an awful lot of Amazon marketplace on there. <laughs> and I was like, I haven't bought that much. And then I was like, No, no, you really have, because you know that you see something, you look, like, I want that. Uh, I can't go to the shops and get it. Amazon, Amazon. Yeah. So you know they 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 have an incredible business model. Um, and but then I can pull up Primark as a business. They have a website, but you can't buy anything online.
0: Mm.
1: So at the moment they closed, there? they but the minute they reopen, they're probably going to be one of the biggest um retailer queues that you'll see when they reopen because. Yeah. You know what we probably dress sophie in mostly primark clothes but her clothes yeah. are all sort of up around her ankles now as opposed to being where they were two months ago
0: we've got the same problem with our mm. boys all
1: their clothes are around their ankles and
0: we haven't been <laughs> yeah. i'm like do i chance internet shopping for a five-year-old <laughs>
1: yeah but especially if you don't know what the clothes are like when you buy
0: them because so exactly. mean, sophie's,
1: sophie's four but she's wearing six to seven clothes yeah in man. Some situations now so you don't know whichever whichever um store is going to give you the right stuff uh, no i don't think retail will die I think you'll find that leisure um, is going to be very challenging now, but the future was definitely, you know, six months ago, leisure was going to be where things were going. The way people shopped was you'd go shop, then you go eat, then you do this. So it's talking about a retail experience as opposed to specifically just going to a retailer and buying things. Um, And the retail environment, although it is challenging when you look at the footfall figures and the way things have changed, you're seeing sort of a six to 7% drop in shopping centers but your out of town retail parks have been sort of stable for the last okay. few years because they're places that people can go. You don't pay for parking. You're not paying the council for your parking and you're in and out as fast as you can be. So and if I you think- want to go to one shop, you can, if you want to go to another shop, you can, but it, the way you can tell it's going well is when you get the drive through coffee shops, the McDonald's restaurants being set up on these places,
0: because that's what drives people to places like that. Okay. And I think, like you say, got that, if you've got that food option, they want to go there anyways because let just get a few things and and something quick from the drive to on the way out. And the retail parks, the way I've been using them is if there's something that I know that I want, that's where I go. Yeah, and I might pop into the the, the units next door.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big shopper. I don't I don't like going in shops that often. Um, but if I'm buying something, I'll generally go to a shop to find it. Yeah,
0: and I think what a lot of people are missing these days is the ability to just go out and browse and see Uh, other people see other people you know (laughs) so i think i think going forward the sort of people working in retail are going to really need to embody that interpersonal experience because Mm. that's what you're going there for you're going for the tactile experience of browsing looking touching the clothes seeing how they fit but if you're going to buy a computer what's to stop you just from buying it on amazon like you say other than speaking to a person there on the day that's knowledgeable that can make you feel comfortable and that is run by a good manager. Yeah, and you know, saying that, the tech stuff, I, don't, I wouldn't know what laptop to buy now Yeah.
1: For, for what my needs are. You know, I have no idea about a laptop anymore. So, and to be fair, I wouldn't use it if I didn't have it for my job, I wouldn't probably use one. I'd just use my phone because that's well, where all the technology sits these days, doesn't it? Yeah, in your pocket.
0: Mm, <laughs> simple. <laughs> so we've spoken a little bit about the future of retail yeah. What is the future for Greg Smith in hold?
1: Oh, do you know what? I I thoroughly enjoy what I'm doing. I don't think I'll change what I do. I, I like the property management side of things, uh, the 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 way the business works. Um, fortunate I, I was promoted in sort of March time to have a couple of guys within our team working with me. So I look after sort of the south and southwest now. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think I'll change. I really enjoy it and the only thing I'll do is sort of take on potentially different sections of the business as well so okay. I'm, I'm retail park now but if there's you know in the future opportunities to take on a different side of it maybe I'll look at that so I can understand sort of your commercial buildings offices those kind of things just to keep
0: growing your, yeah. your skills and knowledge exactly definitely well is there some way that the listeners can follow you to maybe pick your brains <laughs> to get some of your retail skills, your sales skills or your management skills, possibly yeah. a LinkedIn account? or I, I do have a LinkedIn
1: account. It's quite simple. It's Greg Smith, uh, as is my Facebook. Um, but I suppose I've got Instagram, but I, I don't really use that for other than posting photos of a car and <laughs> Sophie. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I've got a question for you, though, Matt. Yes. Oh. Uh, I was ta- I was talking to Anna last night and we were, we were we were thinking about that whole thing back in the, back in the day in that house in Banbury. Yes. That we yeah, lived in in, in Hamilton Yeah, you came to a party and you you made a pinky promise once. And I feel oh. like this is the right sort of format for people to know that you right. made so, a pinky so, promise. So so and... listeners,
0: what Greg's <laughs> talking about here, this was circa 2008. Eight? Um Greg was having a wonderful wonderful caribbean themed party and i was quite into jogging and running at the time as is greg's eldest sister caroline and after a few margaritas um caroline and i got talking about our shared passion and we made a pinky promise to do the london marathon together Mm. um that was 12 years ago yeah let's just say don't rule it out (laughs) I think I
1: think, you know, if we can get your listeners pushing you towards it, buddy, that'd be a great, great thing.
0: Right. Listeners, this is your challenge. How many of you can convince me to complete this pinky promise and successfully do the London Marathon? <laughs> Thank you very much, Greg Smith. It's been no great worries, buddy. You. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, listeners. That was Greg Smith. Um, he's been a great pleasure to have on the show. I'll speak to you all on the other side of this short break. Please don't go away. Welcome back, Damon Discussions fans. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that. It was great having Greg on the show and getting to do something like this with a good friend of mine. It makes me really appreciative of these long-term friends that I've had. Hopefully we manage to keep these friendships going for years and years to come. Everybody needs a good friend who's going to remind them of a pinky promise they made one night many, many years ago that they still need to follow through on. But that's it for this week. Once again, thank you to all of you for your continued support. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at DiscussionsPod and on Facebook and Instagram at The Damon Discussions. Until next week, take care, look after one another, wash your hands and keep well. Until next time, bye bye.